prayed. He prayed about the thing, crazy stuff that's going on in this world. And as bad as it may look on the outside, we've got a God that's still good and he's worthy of praise. Amen. John chapter 9 this morning, I invite you to take your copy of the Word of God to the Gospel according to John chapter number 9. John chapter number 9. And we were there last week and we're here again this week. And uh, I don't know that we'll preach any more out of this chapter, but I never know. Sometimes I get finished, sometimes I don't, sometimes I feel like we can go on, sometimes I feel like we can't. I just try to mind the Lord and all that. And uh, I know this, and I never go wrong preaching the Bible. And I want to say this, I think, I, I think it'd be okay to say, I'm thankful for a church that lets me preach the Bible. And I really am. I'm so thankful uh, for you and this church. And uh, never, I, th- I never have put a muzzle on me. And the ones who wanted to just found somebody else, I guess they could, or went somewhere that tickled their ear or something like that. But I appreciate this church as a whole has never uh, tried to crimp down the preaching. And uh, I know this, preaching through books, preaching the books of the Bible has changed my life, and I believe it's changed this church, and uh, we just pick up where we left off on Sunday. So if you found your place in John chapter 9, I want you to stand, if you will, uh, if you're able to, and we'll reverence the reading of God's Word. We'll read just three verses at the very end of the chapter. We'll give an overview of the chapter, and then give you uh, the message from the verses um, and uh, from the Word of God that the Lord has directed our heart to, our mind to, at least. And so let's look in John chapter 9, verse 39. This is Jesus speaking. It says, And Jesus said, For, for judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might me be made blind. Some of the Pharisees which were with him heard those words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. Would you help us pray? And then you may be seated. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord God, for your love for us. Thank you for your love being shown and being commended towards us in that while we were dead in our trespasses and sin, while we were vile and wretched, you sent your son. You gave your son and gave his life for us at Calvary. Thank you, Lord God, for the gospel and Lord, the message that changed my life. And God, the message that changed every life that's in here. God, there's some maybe under the sound of our voice that doesn't know the gospel or they have not accepted the gospel. And then there's some who have maybe played the game with the gospel. They have maybe made some kind of profession, Lord, but reality, uh, they do not know of uh, the God of salvation, Lord. They don't know you in the free pardon of sin. And then, Lord, no doubt they some here just need to be encouraged about the things of God, need to be encouraged about the gospel. I pray this morning uh, that I can't do it. I can't. I'm feeble. I can't. I'm limited as a man. But God, you're unlimited in what you can do. 
And God, you can take this one message, this feeble message from a feeble man, and you can preach to hearts that are in this room, and you can change lives. I pray you'd help me now to preach with power and of the Holy Spirit. Help me to say everything I need to say. Guard me from saying anything I don't need to say. I pray your word will go forth and not return void. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God. We looked last week as John chapter 9 is immediately after John chapter 8. I know it's pretty profound right there. And uh, that, that, I know none of y'all could have figured that out on your own. But John chapter 9 is immediately after John chapter 8. And really what I mean by that is this. As we read this story, this is in chronological order. Sometimes you read in the gospel accounts and it may skip in time. But this does not. John chapter 8 is that long discourse with those Pharisees. And Jesus is telling them, I am the light of the world. And, and if you believe on me... And if you believe on why God sent me down here, then you uh, can, uh, can be saved. Then you will, uh, will be, uh, be uh, redeemed. You will be saved. And you won't die in your sin. But you reject me and you'll die in your sin. And then and they, they are so mad at him. They are wanting to kill him. They want to arrest him. And as he sneaks through the middle of the crowd, as he walks out, he walks out of the temple door and immediately he sees a man that has been or that is blind and has been blind since his birth. And he sees that man, and though he's running for his life, he stops. As he stops, his disciples ask what I think is a ridiculous question, who has sinned, his parents or himself? And I made a, a kind of a, I said something about that last week, that what a ridiculous question. How could he have sinned to be born blind? It doesn't make sense. But, but nonetheless, uh, they ask the question, and Jesus says this, uh, uh, that, that no, it wasn't because his parents had sinned, but the reason he is blind is because uh, the works of God are going to be made manifest in his life. You're about to see something you, uh, you're you not going to forget. You're, something's about to happen. And uh, in the works of God is about to be manifested right now before your eyes. And Jesus goes to that man and he, put, he spits on the ground and he makes clay and he puts that clay on his eyes. We looked at last week how that clay is a representation of our human inability to save ourselves, and how that, that man could not take his blindness away. That man could not do anything about his blindness. But Jesus... Jesus told that man, go to the pool of Siloam, which is to be called Sint. Go to the pool called Sint and wash and get your sight back. And that, I told you last week, that is exactly what has to happen with us. We must realize our human inability and we must go to the pool of Siloam. You say, what do you mean? Uh, Jesus said in chapter 8 several times and already in chapter 9, I'm doing the works that I've been sent to do. Uh, the Father has sent me. Uh, he is the sent one. And you've got to come to the only one that can save you uh, to get your sight back. And we saw the miracle of the blind man receiving his sight told you last week that that is a miracle that is reserved for the Messiah. Only Jesus, only the Messiah could heal blinded eyes. You'll never read in the Old Testament about any Old Testament prophet restoring sight to blind. And you'll never read about any of the disciples doing that either. Why? Because that is a, a miracle reserved for the Messiah. And so when he does this miracle, he is saying one more time, I'm him, I'm him, I'm him. Now the man didn't get saved right then. He got a sight though. We saw at the very end last week the progression of this man's revelation of who Jesus is. 
We see him realize that some man put this clay on me and told me to go wash. Then somebody else asked him who it was and what happened. He said, well, the prophet, he was a prophet, must have been a prophet, had to be, uh, for him to do something like that. And then they come and ask him again. And he said, well, you know, more I think about this thing, he had to be from God. I mean, God's the only one gives sight back to the blind. And, and uh, maybe I remember from Sunday school about something about the Messiah coming from God and being able to give blinded eyes sight. And, and he had to be from God. And, and boy, they're mad at him now. They're mad at the boy got uh, healed. And all he did was get healed. And they're about to run him out. They actually throw him out. And he's out there. Oh, and I thank God at the very beginning of this chapter, Jesus finds an old blind beggar on the outside of the temple. But I'm glad at the end of this chapter, oh, that he goes finds an old beggar that used to be blind, but now he can see. And he asked that boy a question. He said, Would you? He said, do you believe on the Son of God? Do you believe... Uh, dost thou believe on the Son of God? This is what he asked the question. A very good question. Who is he? So I can believe on him. Who is he? So I can believe on him. And Jesus said, you're looking at him, baby. Uh, that's me, man. I'm the one who healed you earlier. I am the Son of God. You know what that Bible says? That boy did. He fell down and he worshiped him and he believed on him. And we see the miracle above all miracles is the miracle of a lost man becoming saved, of a dead man getting life again, of a man being born again. Hallelujah. We see a miracle in this text. I preached on last week, I was blind, but now I see. But there's another, there's another group in this story. And this whole chapter is about this whole one account. But there's another group here. And uh, this group is not in the same category as the blind man. Though, though we'll talk about their, uh, their, their, their similarities in just a minute. Can I, can I say a statement and see how y'all respond to this? Jesus came to save sinners. Y'all believe that? Jesus came to save sinners. But watch this. The very fact that he came increases the responsibility of those that know he came. Here's what I mean by that. To know him and to know about him is to be responsible. But to reject him is to be condemned. And so him coming has brought some responsibilities to those who know him. He said this, I am the light of the world. And the light of the world, is it resembles the sun up in the sky. It resembles the sun. Here, here it is. As the sun, the S-U-N, as it shines, it gives us guidance in the daytime. It can lead us. It can guide us. It can direct us. When the sun's shining, it gives us clear direction. But if you continue to gaze uh, arrogantly in the face of the sun, the same sun that will guide you will blind you. Is that right? I'm talking about the SUE, this is a science lesson real quick. If you look in that sun and say, oh, I won't hurt my eyes. I, I'm bigger than the sun. I'm better than the sun. I'm better than everybody else. I, these other people, these lower than I people can't look at the sun, but I can look at it with my eyes. It won't bother me. The same sun that will guide you on your day-to-day -day journey will blind you if you look at it with arrogance. If you look at what you, I thought about this, the same sun that melts fat down is also the same sun that hardens clay. Is that right? 
The same sun that'll melt a popsicle uh, will fry egg. Amen. Uh, the same sun. And so when I, when I thought about, when I thought that, the effects of the ray of the sun, the effects of the sun's ray is, is not decided by the sun. The sun is constant. The sun is doing what he's supposed to be doing. It's just shining. It's just blazing. It's just putting those rays out. So the effect of the sun is not decided by the sun, but it's decided by the materials on which the sun shines. If it's uh, fat, it's going to melt off. I wish the sun would shine. Amen. And if it's clay, it's going to harden up. If it's a popsicle, it's going to melt. And if it's an egg, it's going to fry. And so uh, it's not about the sun as much as it is the material on which the rays of the sun falls. And watch this. The gospel message is either the savor of life unto life or it is the condemnation of death unto death. The light of the world shining. The law of the world is being constant and consistent and he's just doing what he's supposed to be doing. And so the son of righteousness, the S-O-N of righteousness is always constant. And so men's heart is different. And so the effect that it has on the man's heart is, is the difference. And so that, that's, that's the secret of this text. That's the secret to unlock in John chapter 9. Here's what I mean. Because in John chapter 9... We have a, a contrast between a, a man who knows he's blind and at the end gets his sight back. We have men who think they can see and at the end Jesus says, you're blind. I'm going to preach on this morning seeing blind men. Seeing blind men. See, if you're blind and the light hasn't reached you, you're still in the dark, you're ignorant, you're uninformed, you're not held responsible for your deeds. Your responsibility is measured by your understanding. But these Pharisees in Jesus' day claim to be the servants of God. They, they, they were interpreters of the Mosaic law. They were, they had the light, if you will. The light had shown up if anybody ought to know that Jesus was the Messiah, they ought to know. And may I just put this in there? They did know. They willfully rejected the light. But nonetheless, they had this light. They were not uninformed. They were not ignorant. They knew, and watch this, therefore they were going to be required to answer for their deeds. And so Jesus says, your sin remains at the very end of this chapter. We'll get there in just a minute. God says your sin remains and your outlook remains bleak and it's uninviting. And we see the willful rejection of these Pharisees. We've seen this happening. We've seen it kind of moving towards that. I don't know about y'all, but I want the bad guy not to win, but I want him to get right. When I read books, when I watch a, a show, I don't want the, I, want, I like them shows where the bad guy turns good. I don't know about y'all, but I, I like that. I like when the bad guy gets right and starts helping the good guy. I like that. And so as I read the Gospel of John, and we start at the beginning, and it says, oh, and they came to his own, his own received him not. I said, well, I hope they really do. I hope they receive him. Get to chapter 2, and he's flipping over tables. I think, man, I hope they get right here. 
And they don't. And then we go to chapter 3, and Nicodemus has got some light. And man, it looks like one of them's at least going to get right. And I thought, man, no, Nicodemus, go take it back to the rest of them and see the whole group of them say, and it don't happen. And in chapter 4, we see they're all mad because he's messing with a Samaritan woman. And he's telling her the gospel. And so the Samaritans are getting saved. We definitely ain't going to do it. And we get to chapter 5, and they're rege- now they're mad because he healed a man on the Sabbath day. And uh, then they get more mad because he's claiming God is his father, making himself equal with God, and they're more mad. I mean, it's getting worse. And I'm thinking, man, maybe this is it. This is it. This is it. I don't know about y'all. Chapter 9, when I read the first part of it, I thought, this is it. They know Isaiah. And they know that three times in the gospel, I mean, in the, in the, uh, well, the gospel, in the uh, prophecy of Isaiah, three times Isaiah says that when he comes, he's going to bring sight to the blinded eyes. They know that. They know that the only person that could do that is going to be the Messiah. They know it. This is it. This is where they're going to believe. You read chapter number 9. I read it, and the man gets his sight back, and I thought, this is it. And the neighbors come to him. So what the Bible says first, the neighbors come to him, and the neighbors pull him in and says, uh, they say, well, he looks like the guy that was blind, but uh, he ain't got his walking stick no more. He ain't got to see an eye dog no more. He ain't stumbling around and, and he ain't begging no more. So it looks like him, but, but I don't know if he's him or not. And, and they said, uh, and, he, and he, they, he, he overhears them talking. You know how you can get information? Go talk to the person. And they don't. And so he goes, hey, I am him. Y'all think I'm the blind dude? Hey, that was me just this morning. I was blind. I was begging. It's me. It's I am he. They're amazed. And they're so amazed and they say, well, well, how did your eyes get open? He said, well, there's this man, a man named Jesus. He came by and he made some clay and he put that clay on my eyes and he told me to go wash. And when I washed, I received sight. He just told him what happened to him. Amen. You know how you can tell the gospel? Just tell what happened to you. Amen. Hey, listen, if you've really been changed by the gospel, if you've had your sight given to you, that's a good story to tell. It's a good place to start witnessing. Amen. And so that's where he starts. And watch this, I'm reading the story, and I've got hope. I'm not a, I'm not a um, pessimist. I'm an optimist. I like seeing the good side of everything. Sometimes it's to my detriment, to be honest with you. And so and I'm like, here it is. This is it. They're going to believe on him. They're going to get it. They're going to get it because the neighbors go get the Pharisees. This is it. The neighbors are going to get the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are going to bring them to the blind man, and they're going to see, and they're going to ask him how it happened, and they're going to tell him, and they're going to say, oh, that's that same guy. He told us he's the son of God. He told us God was his father. He told us he was sent from heaven. He told us he's the light of the world, and it's true. It really is. And I mean, I thought, here it is. The Pharisees go going to see it, and they're going to worship God, and it's going to be all like Donkey Kong, man. But that's not what happens. They get to him, and they say, How'd you receive your sight? He tells him again, verse 15, he put clays on my eyes. I wash and do see. Here's what they say. Here's their response. This man is not of God. That's what they're saying in verse 16. Here's why. Here's why. Because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. I ain't got time to deal with all that right now on the Sabbath day because I've already kind of dealt with that early in chapter number 5. They got this thing twisted. They've got all this twisted. That their, their, their law, their man-made. Now, God gave them the Sabbath day for themselves, for a day of rest. God's plan is still right on that. But, but watch this. But, but, but to not heal somebody. And Jesus 
He didn't even respond to it this time. He does in chapter 5, and they don't listen. You know, he tells your ox is in a ditch. You're going to go get it out. You know, if your sheep fell off in a hole, you're going to go get them on the Sabbath. And we got a man here with a withered hand. We got a man here that's been lame for 38 years. We got a man here that's blind. Because of Sabbath day, I have the power to do something about it. And I'm not supposed to do it. He don't even respond to it this time, though. But that's what they're mad about. Now, we know that's not really what they're mad about, but that's what they say because it sounds a little bit better to the public, right? And so he keeps on saying, and then, and then so, and here's, here's the good question from the public. Look at verse 16. In the middle it says, others said, well, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? Good question, right? Well, if he's not of God, how in the world he do that? I would think that some of them said, well, now you've been telling us, y'all been teaching us down at the synagogue that the Messiah was going to come and give sight to the blind. Y'all been saying the only one to do that is from God. Now you're saying one's done it and he ain't of God. How can that happen? There was division among them. Jesus said, I come to bring division. Amen. I know that's not 2023 theology, but that's Bible theology. We're going to get there in just a minute. But here's what happens, even though there's a division. And, 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 and so they, they ask the man, what do you think about him? What, and what do you think he's going to say? I was blind and I see. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I like him pretty good. <laughs> I mean, and he says this, well, he's a prophet. Got to be a prophet. He's got to be a prophet. And watch this, they didn't believe on him. And here's what they don't believe. They don't believe he's really blind. This ain't the guy. You were never blind. You look like him a little bit, but you were never blind. You're not the one. You're lying to us. You're, you're, and so what they do? They called mom and daddy. Call his parents in. And the parents get there and they say, is, your, is this your son? And is he blind? And if, he's, if he is blind, if he was blind and I can see, tell us how he got made whole. And they said, that's our son. He was born blind. It, it obviously, obviously he can see now. But how he got his sight back, he's old enough. Ask him. We don't know. We wasn't here. We didn't see it. Ask him. He's the one that can see now. Ask him. I mean, he ought to know. Huh? So they ask him. I like his response. It's like a Will Allen response. I done told you. I ain't telling you again. That sounds like a good response. I done told you one time. You didn't believe it. You ain't going to believe it now. So I ain't telling you again. I'm not repeating myself. I'm not wasting my breath. And so he said, he said I'm not, I'm not, I've told you already. You did not hear. Wherefore, would you hear it again? Verse 28, they reviled him. I can't imagine that. I can't understand that. But I'll tell you why I can't understand that. Because lost people will do stuff that don't make sense. Stop wondering why this lost world does all this crazy stuff. The answer is they're lost. They don't know what to do. They don't have their leader, their leader is not a shepherd. And they're a bunch of, I, I talked about in, in Bible, they're a bunch of scattered sheep without a shepherd. And, and sheep don't roam in the wild by themselves. Sheep don't go off. They can't survive like that. They gotta have somebody leading them. And so this world is lost and they don't have a leader. So they're going to do stupid stuff like men dressing up like women and reading stories to kindergartners in the public school system. 
They're going to do crazy stuff like men wanting to marry men and women wanting to marry women. They're going to do crazy stuff like drink alcohol and do drugs, gamble their money away. It, it doesn't shock me that they do that. The lost world is lost. And so when I read this at first, my first reaction is, why are they so mad at him? He just, just was blind and but they're lost. And so they, can't, they, they figured out so far they hadn't been able to get a handle on Jesus. But they can get a handle on this man, so they throw him out. And watch, before they throw him out, the man says this, wait a minute. It's a marvelous thing. It's a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is, and yet he opened my eyes. It's marvelous. He said, that blows my mind. That y'all supposed to know everything. Y'all got it all figured out, and you don't know him, and yet he walks by, and, he, and y'all ain't never gave me my sight. Some of y'all ain't never even gave him my little, my little change jug. Y'all can't help me. You've never been able to help me. And this man who y'all don't know has come by and he's helped me. And this is what he says, verse number 32. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? This man knows a little bit of the Bible. He says this, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Now they're mad because this man who hadn't been educated in their Bible college is trying to teach them. Who do you think you are teaching us? And what they do? Just like they blocked them on Facebook. That's what they done. They marked him off. They cast him out. And Jesus goes to him. I've already mentioned that. Jesus goes to him asking, Dost thou believe the Son of God? And he says, Who is he? So I can believe. I'm him. And he believes on him. But, but, but where we're at today, our text today, and I'm going to hurry, is, his, his, is, is, the response after, is the response after this man is saved. Jesus said these things. This is what he said in verse 39. I see, number one, the proclamation. Verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world. That they... They which see not might see, and they that, uh, and that they which see might be made blind. I see the proclamation here. Christ proclaims some truths here about his coming into the world, and he's using this miracle of healing the blind man as his illustration. He told you in chapter th- or verse number three, he said, this man hadn't sinned. His parents hadn't sinned to cause his blindness, but the works of God should be made manifest in him. I'm going to use this for God's glory today. Now he's given us, now looking back, here's what's happened. Notice first of all what he says. He says, I am come. I see his identity. One more time, I am I've said it over and over and over again. I've said it preaching through this book of John. But over and over again, he is making making a declaration. I am that I am. I'm God. I'm Jehovah. I'm the one who met Moses in the wilderness. I am that I am. I am God. He's making another statement of being deity. But then he says this, I am come. We see his identity in the person of Christ. But we see his incarnation. Uh, we see the pre-existence of Christ. I am coming to this world. 
That means, that means that Jesus had already existed. Bethlehem was not his beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was already there. So we see his identity. We see his incarnation. But watch this. Here's most important. We see his influence. What's he coming to do? He come that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. He came, he said this, I am come, he says, for judgment I am come. I'm ju-. He's, called, he's come to cause division. And the division is between those that are blind and those that can see. He's come to make a judgment, to make a decision. He's going to separate some things. He's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. He's going to bring salvation to the believers, but he's going to bring damnation to the unbelievers. The souls of man are divided by their attitude towards Christ. The sun's shining. The effect it has is not based on, it's not defined by the sun, it's defined by the material it's shining on. He's saying this, I'm coming for judgment. He says this, I'm coming for salvation. That they which see not might see. He's using this blind man symbolically. This blind man had light shining to him, but he didn't know it. But eventually, God didn't just shine light his way. He gave him his sight. And this man, listen, when this man accepted that clay on his eyes and he went and washed in that pool. This is what that man was saying. I can't save myself. I can't open my eyes by myself. And this man tells me to go and to wash and I get my sight back. So I'm not going to say, well, I'm not blind. Or I don't need your help. Or that's crazy. Or that's foolish. No, this man believes the word of God. He obeys the word of God. And this man gets his side back. And Jesus is saying this, I'm coming that they which see not might see. Those who know they are sinners, who can't see, who acknowledges they can't see, who know that they're sinners as being ones who will be able to get their sight back. The ones who are sinners might be saved. The ones who know they're lost, would be saved. But then, not only salvation, but damnation, he says this, and they which, that they which see might be made blind. He's talking this self-righteous crowd. He's talking this crowd who don't think they need salvation. They're good enough. They've always been okay. They've always known. They've always heard. They've always been around the light. They've always been around the sunshine. And so therefore, they think they're okay. But in reality, these self-righteous Pharisees that don't think they need to be saved, they think they can see. In reality, they are blind. And Jesus is trying to get them to see that they're blind. To save that which was lost, Luke 19.10. That's the, the reason the Son of Man come. To save that which was lost. Well, if you think you're okay, then you're not lost. 
That doesn't make you saved. But you're not lost. And these men physically could see. And spiritually they should have been able to see. But they were blind. And they were willfully blind. We see the proclamation by Jesus. But notice their protest. Verse 40. Very end. Are we blind also? What are you trying to say? You, are you trying to say that we're blind? Because now you're saying he, he, he was blind and now he can see. And you're saying there's some people who see not make them blind. Are, are you claiming that we're blind? The protest here, he, here's the thing. They know exactly what Jesus is saying here. They understand that he is, he is speaking reproach onto them. They understand that he is implying that they are the blind ones. But watch this. They still couldn't understand that they were blind. They still did not perceive that they needed spiritual sight. They needed salvation. Listen, they were keepers of the law. They, uh, they, they, they did all things right on the outside. People esteemed them as the best examples of righteousness in the land. So, you know, we're okay. You know what I find who relates here a lot of times? And I, I'm not, I'm not. And listen, if I can cause doubt, that ain't me, okay? And I want to understand this too. The Holy Spirit don't work in doubt. The Holy Spirit is a, is, is, is a God. God is absolute. So he says, yes, you're saved. No, you're not saved. Okay? So don't, 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 don't try to blame me for trying to make you doubt. If, if God's dealing with your heart. But, so when I say this, don't take this anyway. But the truth, I see this a lot in second generation Christians. And here's, let me define what I mean by that. There's no such thing as second generation Christians in the sense that, well, because mom and daddy saved, I'm automatically saved. So that's not what I mean. So what I mean by second generation is this, those that are raised around the gospel. Now, I don't mean just because, and just because you're raised around the gospel, it not mean your daddy's preacher, mama's a prayer and all that kind of thing. You're just raised around it. You've heard the gospel over and over and over, and you've been around light. You've been made to walk right. You've been made to talk right. You've been made to do right. And you, even maybe now as an adult, you do right, not because it's in you as far as your heart. It's not because you fell in love with Jesus. It's not because you're even saved, maybe. It is just because that's the way you've always done it. That's just who you've always been. That's just who you are. And so what happens is you think you can see but you've never been made blind. You've never come to the realization, I'm blind. Oh, I can quote verses. I know the answers to the Sunday school questions. That's where it was for me when I was a kid. I thought I was okay. When the Lord started dealing with me about salvation, my response was always, but I got the most points in Sunday school. I did. I, did. I mean, I don't have that conversation with God. But... I memorized the verses. But, but, I don't, I'm not as bad of a kid as my sisters are. I'm serious. I, I would remark when I look, and I, my sister would be getting in trouble and say, see, I'm not doing what they do. I don't talk back to mama like they do. I'm a good kid. Look, my report card, I get all A's. Look, I'm okay. 
That was, a, well, you know what the problem was? I, I, I wasn't blind. I didn't know I was blind. I didn't, want to receive, I didn't receive that I was blind. But oh, that night, the night that I got born again, well, I realized I am blind. I didn't use those words. I didn't understand that terminology. But, but I realized, oh, that report card don't mean nothing to God. Oh, oh, me being good for mama don't mean nothing to God. Oh, I'm dying and going to hell. I'm lost without God. I can't save myself. And I remember, it ain't about the words I said, but I remember that's what I said. God, I can't save myself. I believe you're the only one that can. And that day I got born again because I got blind. And when I got blind, he made me see. And everybody that is saved this morning in this room is because at some point in your life, God made you blind so he could give you your sight. These men thought they were okay. So notice their protest, notice their pro- his proclamation, but then look what Jesus says to them. I'm done, the pronouncement he makes. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Here's what it says. If you were blind, you should have no sin. Here's what he means. He says, here's what he means. If these Pharisees would just confess that they were blind, they could be saved. If they would just confess their blindness... They'd be saved. You know the only sin, the only sin that you've got to stop doing to be saved is unbelief. You hear me? He can't save you if you don't believe. That's what he, that's the stipulation he's put on this thing. You're not going to come to him and not believe on him fully for salvation and him save you, he'd go against his word. He'll go against his plan that he, he created for the foundation of the world. And he says this, if you would just see your blindness, if you would just recognize your blindness, you could be saved. And so what he's saying, he's pointing at this blind man. This blind man confessed that he was blind. How? By following his orders for healing. What if, what if he had threw the clay off and said, I ain't doing that. Or, 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 or well, I know I'm blind, but I'm just going to stay this way. I mean, I've been like this my whole life. I might as well. I've kind of got my good money begging. It's okay. Oh, he had to recognize it. See, he would have never been healed had he not admitted he was blind. And watch this, you will never be saved if you don't admit that you're a sinner. Listen, these Pharisees would not admit their blindness, therefore they would not be saved. A sick person gains no healing if he never admits that he's sick. Matthew Henry said this, no patients are so hardly managed as those in a frenzy who say they are well and nothing ill ails them. Go to the hospital. Go visit somebody. And we ask this stupid question. How you doing? And that, I mean, I know. I do it too. 
And as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, that was dumb. They're in the hospital. They're not good. But what, what do they do? They lie. We ask stupid questions, and then they lie. I'm good. I'm okay. No, you're not. <laughs> you're in the hospital. <laughs> You know, they'd be laid up, IVs going on, the, everything's beeping around them. You know, everything's, I mean, all that stuff, the doctor's in and out. I mean, they just about, they were at the point of death. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. No. And us stubborn men, maybe I get some amens from the women. We'll be like, no, I don't need that medicine. No, I don't need that. I'm okay. And you can't be treated if you're okay. And you're not going to take the treatment if you're okay. So he says this, if you were blind, you should have no sin. Because you recognize your blindness, you've got an opportunity to be saved. But then he says this, so there's the conversion of the confessing sinner, but then there's the condemnation of the self-righteous. He says this, but now you say, we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Since you won't admit your spiritual blindness, then your sins remain, and as he said in verse in chapter number eight, you're going to die in your sins. Because you won't recognize your need, you're going to die in your sins. Listen, listen, to die without forgiveness of sins, all because you won't recognize your blindness. You know, you know the proverb, I've mentioned it a couple of times, there, there are none so blind as those who refuse to see. It's not an out-of-the-Bible proverb, that's just like a, just a proverb that people say. There's none so blind, there's none so blind as those who refuse to see. You know, those who, who at, at the feeding of the 5,000, anybody who said they were full, then Jesus would have sent them away. If you say you're full, then you're okay. Those who claim to be righteous are sent away unforgiven. Why? Because they fail to see that they are blind. Listen, the greatest need for man is to see his spiritual blindness. The Bible makes that clear. The Bible also makes it clear that as light is obeyed, then light is increased. But light refused increases darkness. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Because that when they knew God, means they, they had some light when their eyes were open. Because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful and became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. See, light obeyed increases light. But light rejected increases darkness. And there's no greater sin than to reject the light. See, once a man hears the gospel and his heart's open to the word of God, if he doesn't act upon that light, if he doesn't act and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then his condemnation is on him, sets on him, because he's not only judged for sin, but he is judged for refusing the cure for sin. John 3 16, hallelujah. 17, hallelujah. 19, he says this, though. And this is the condemnation 
that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. See, when God comes to judge the world, he's not coming to judge, judge the world primarily by the sin that was committed, but by the light that was rejected. I mean, my wife had this conversation many times about some of the things that we believe was part of the judgment, the judging hand of God in our lives individually and even as a family. We talk about the times where we knew what we should have done. We didn't do it. We didn't do right. God didn't let us get by with it. We knew it. But then there was other times we didn't know. We found out later, oh, wow, we didn't know we were supposed to do that. We didn't know we should have done that. And there was ignorance there. There was judgment maybe, but it wasn't as harsh. I don't know about y'all, that's why I try to parent my children, right? Well, that's why you try to parent your children. There's judgment for doing wrong, but if it's something you have told them and they have openly rebelled, the judgment's worse. And God, God's not just judging your sin, but he's judging your sin against the light. What does this miracle show? This miracle shows that Jesus is the light of the world. This miracle shows that we are all born beggars. But this miracle shows that those blinded eyes can be opened and will be opened by the grace of God. As he gives the light, as he opens up our eyes to the, and gives us sight, he helps us, he, he gets us, or he brings us to the, the understanding of our sin, the understanding of his saving grace. When that heart is opened, that mind is opened, that heart is quickened to the light. As we step toward that light in belief, we see this man, again, doesn't immediately get saved once the light's turned on for him. But he's starting that way. Shows me that sometimes people don't get saved the first time you give them the gospel. Sometimes that may be the, the point where God finally gives some sight to them and they may only see Jesus as a man. And then the next time, they see him as a prophet. And then the next time, they see him as, well, he's from God. And finally, the fourth time, and that's not a recipe. They've got to give it four times. And there's a lot more people in here the first time they hear about it and they believe on it. But that does tell them, that does encourage me the times I've been the first one to give the gospel to somebody. That does encourage me that they may be trending that way. They're walking towards the light. Man's greatest need is to admit that he's a seeing blind man. Because when he says, I can see, he's going to remain blind. And the Bible tells us that these men, because they kept rejecting willfully, they kept closing their eyes willfully, God blinded their eyes. Because they kept turning a deaf ear, God closed their ears. Because they kept hardening their heart, God hardened their heart. 
I don't know how that works. Brother Tim, if you come play softly. I'm not sure of all how this works, but as far as what I can wrap around my mind. I believe the Holy Spirit is drawing. I believe there is a drawing of the Holy Spirit. I, I believe he is saying, come to every sinner, every man, every woman, every boy and girl. I believe he is. I know we're part of a church that is also in, in cohorts with the Spirit saying, come to every sinner. The Bible talks about the pricking of the heart. Pricking of the heart. Take this knife and I can prick my hand. I feel that. But if I was to go and to do something where I've had a lot of calluses on my hands. Many of you are calloused over your job, your particular work that you do. Your hands are so calloused. If I did this to your hand, you wouldn't even know I was doing it. But I'm still doing it. Still pricking. What happens is when it calluses, it's just a hardened piece of skin. And then you, you keep working that piece of skin. You keep rejecting that prick and it just calluses over again and over and over and over. This callus is over. And the Holy Ghost is pricking, but you don't know it. You've rejected it so much. The light's shining, but you can't see it. You've rejected it so much. He's saying, come, but you can't hear it because you've rejected it so much. That's what happens to these Pharisees. They turn and turn and turn and God says, okay. Your eyes are blind. Your sin remains. They're seeing blind men. We, we know what happened. This is six months. Six months later, they're going to take him to a cross. And they're going to put him to a cross. And we rejoice about that. Thank God. Thank God they did, but that was the final rejection of the only hope for their salvation. And this is the last time in John's gospel he says anything about being the light. He turns from these Pharisees. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know the heart of anybody in this room. Matter of fact, I don't even know my heart. According to the Bible. I'm just a Bible believer. All these people say, well, God put this on my heart. You must be more spiritual than God says we are because God says our hearts are deceitful, desperately wicked. But I am saying this. I know there's a lot of people in church today. Whether it's this church or not, I don't know. But there's a lot of people in church today that are seeing blind men. They've heard it, they've heard it, they've heard it, but they've rejected, they've rejected. And I don't even mean open rebellion rejection. The Pharisees had not at that point yet. They were, everything they were doing were in private. It's about to become public, but they're, they're, they're not doing all this in public yet. But privately, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm not blind. I can see. And their sin remains. I wondered this morning, many seeing blind men here, Maybe today, God has revealed to you that you're blind. And you finally admitted that. There's hope. Or maybe you're saved today. You know you are. And you've got 
friends, family, co-workers, somebody that you know that you've been maybe trying to get the gospel to, you've been praying for. Maybe you just want to pray one more time today. God, would you open their eyes? Would you, would you maybe send somebody, send something to shed a little light, a little bit more light their way? I don't know what the need is. Let's all stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. I've preached the word of God today.